0: The Velvet Food and Drink Awards 2023 are now open for nominations and we need your votes. There are eight categories, including Restaurant and Chef of the Year, Best Pub and Best Coffee Shop or Tea Room. For the full list and to nominate your favourites, search Velvet Food and Drink Awards. Nominations close on Wednesday, May 31st and join us live on June 30th for the Gala Awards Show, hosted by our own Steffi Callister
1: live and local across the system and south cambridgeshire this is lee chambers Cambridge
0: One Hundred and Five Radio. it's 10 31 and my lovely guest has joined me rod mckenzie here to talk about his novel night journey good morning rob
1: good morning lee nice to meet you nice. and good morning to cambridge
0: good and lovely to meet you too now night journey so for people who haven't read it what's it about
1: well essentially I was a conscientious objector. Um, I went into the army in South Africa. And sort of six months into my army service, I became a conscientious objector. So that put me into serious trouble. And I was thrown into prison, of course, a military prison. I was put in solitary confinement for 118 days in a punishment cell. um, Blacked out, no water, no bed, no... Facilities. And um, I experienced what in psychology you'd call an eruption of the unconscious, or a psychosis, if you like, in solitary confinement. So essentially, it's about the contents of that eruption, which are very important to me. But the rest of the book is the context. In other words, my life story leading up to that point. Why did I end up in that situation? How did I end up being a conscientious objector? How did I end up being in solitary? And how did uh, I cope with the experience of essentially a a psychosis uh, during that 118 days? So
0: 118 days, we're looking at uh,
1: what? Just three and a half months. I was also starved, I was on spare rations, which uh, I, I, so I'd have six slices of bread a day for six days and then I'd have two days of normal meals and then again days of just bread and then two days real food and that went on for 118 days so I lost more than half my body weight I was by the time I came out I was sort of blind I couldn't walk I was hospitalized for quite a while and then they put me back in prison for four years. <laughs> but but that was normal prison, so to speak. In a, that must have felt just like a Just household. with the murderers and rapists and so oh, on. Oh, goodness yeah. me. Um, so, but uh, for me, of course, uh, the interesting thing was this, the psychosis at the time, which is normally viewed negatively, while I was in solitary, the I took it positively because... All the dreams and visions I experienced and the flashbacks were hugely important to me. Uh, I saw in them some kind of latent meaning. I didn't understand anything, that's for sure. It took me 30 years to start understanding what happened to me. I had to go and study psychology um, before I really got to terms with what had actually happened to me. And in truth, when I came out of solitary and went into the normal prison, I um, I wanted to forget about it for quite a while because it was so traumatizing. Um, so it took years for me to get to the point where I was ready to deal with it. And when I was, I then felt the need to write it. And I didn't really write it for publication in that sense. I, I saw no market for it. <laughs> um, but then eventually, and my wife heard a program Uh, an interview with an editor from Karnak Press, which publishes, specialises in psychology books or books on psychology. And she recommended I send it to them and to my amazement, they published it.
0: (laughs) And is it a a novel? Is it a memoir? It's not
1: really a novel, it's a memoir. They say it's a novel on the cover, but it's really a memoir of my first 18 years of life. Or first three years, I can't really remember, but from the age of three till the age of 19 is all that's there because the book is really about the experience in the punishment cell. Uh, The rest is all, as I mentioned, just context.
0: It's reminded me of uh, the Brian Keenan book An Evil Cradling which is about his time as a hostage in the Lebanon and what happens when everything is stripped away from you Yes,
1: yes, and there was Terry White I've read his books too The the priest who was held and uh, of course have read other books of people who've experienced sensory deprivation or long periods in solitary confinement to see if we shared anything did they also have the same sort of eruptions of the unconscious and not always necessarily so that's why the background to my story is necessary because um a man when terry white went into solitary he was already 44 he was a well-rounded solid person um and so it was less likely for him to experience that he didn't really have an eruption of the unconscious and he didn't suffer from prolonged dreams and visions and all that sort of thing.
0: And I know you say when you came out, you, you then went into sort of uh, air quote, normal prison, as it were, which m- must have seemed like luxury after that. But um, how were you when you came out? If you've had, been having repeated psychotic episodes.
1: Yes. Uh, initially, I was actually just in a state of elation. <laughs> to be honest when I came out of uh, solitary uh, it sounds strange but for about three months I could barely stop smiling I was in a constant state of elation which was very strange the only period in my life that's ever happened to me it f- gradually diminished and I became more normal in the sense of having daily ups and downs and moods and not feeling continually elated Um and then came the the, the the point where I had to look back at what I'd experienced and and I thought at the time, well, I went mad. I was as mad as a bed bug in, in solitary and uh, leave it at that. But later on, I took it up, up again and I realized, no, I wasn't. Yes, a psychosis releases unconscious contents, but those... Contents actually have latent meaning in them and, and a purpose and even a healing purpose, really. In, in effect, most of those dreams and visions aim to keep me or were there to help me heal rather than anything else.
0: So when you look back on, on that, do you look back on it with bitterness? or
1: No, not at all. It's, it, it was probably the greatest event of my life, is how I look back on it now. The most profound event of my life, the most life-changing event of my life. Um, and the one that gave me all that lava, if you like, that poured out of my unconscious, I've been working with it for 40 years Um, It's sort of the raw material of understanding myself and my own psyche and my own being and all the rest of that. And really for my healing, because I had a a, a traumatized youth, both parents being alcoholics. Uh, We were itinerant. We traveled all over the country, continually running away from creditors, that sort of thing. Um, And so, yes, it took me many, many, many years to heal from that traumatizing background of course many other people share that experience um well
0: we would say ptsd now wouldn't we, we would yes say that's yes what, what uh, yes the post-traumatics
1: it's that, that well put that's really what i had although those days we didn't speak of it much uh but a prolonged series of traumas from the age of three until 18 needed quite some healing over a lifetime really so the book was an instrumental or very important part of that healing process
0: so the book contains this this eruption as you you call it this this so what is what was in that lava
1: visions dreams visions waking visions of a profound sort uh dreams intense i mean some of the dreams when i finally got the chance to write them down took three to four pages of full scap page to write them out. So I'm talking about not just a little dream that lasts thirty seconds or these were incredibly long, detailed dreams uh, that I didn't even know was possible.
0: And you say when you got the chance to write it down because obviously you wouldn't have been able to do that in, in solitary in no. the darkness. So you had you were doing this afterwards.
1: Yes, only when I was in normal prison <laughs> did I manage to start recording what I could of all my dreams and visions and, and, and the flashbacks. I must mention the flashbacks because they were so profound in the sense that, for example, uh things that happened to me when I was three or four, I was suddenly back in the action. I was there again. And what was remarkable was how the psyche remembered so many, many, many details that my conscious mind had forgotten. I mean, even down to details like the carpet on the floor and the cracks in the walls and the the type of chair that was in the corner. My psyche had remembered all that stuff that I'd completely forgotten so it's amazing what the psyche can remember of one's past that the conscious mind has forgotten that was important for me because uh, i think it's important for psychology to know that the human psyche what we call the unconscious remembers a great deal more than we think
0: so who is this book for
1: really it's for psychologists people who deal with traumatized youth people who have been through a traumatizing youth anyone who's had alcoholic parents or an abusive stepfather or, of which there are thousands all too many people but more towards people who are interested in the, the, the greater depths of the psyche towards the contents as, as Carl Jung would have called them the archetypal contents because what emerged from many of these visions were quite religious symbols spiritual and religious symbols. I came to read the Bible in a whole new light. For example, Moses talking to the burning bush. Well, that's a psychosis. (laughs) You know, if you want to put it in today's modern language. And many of the dreams and visions in the Bible, for example, when you really examine them, we would now call those a psychotic episode. When angels appeared to Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or any of those prophets of the Bible, quite often they take on the form of a psychosis. And uh, Paul on the way to Damascus, the light and the whole thing and everything that happened to him when he converted to Christianity, it's a psychotic episode. So there was this relationship between religious madness, if you like, and and the unconscious. Now, I think these things are there for healing these experiences are really ultimately meant to heal but of course in a psychotic form they can drive one insane because the contents are so overpowering so strange so weird that one could easily come out of an experience like that and feel one has found the truth found god found the answers to life and therefore become a founder of a religion (laughs) Which is what often happens. Uh, if even uh, amongst the great prophets and so on, they've often had these tremendous experiences that we would now call psychotic episodes, and then founded a religion on it.
0: Well, uh, you haven't founded a religion. No, you know? I haven't. <laughs> <Not that laughs> I've I can avoided find that, that in your research. But uh, but, but well, lovely to, to see you. I mean, yes. obviously so healthy and well, and without bitterness towards what must have been. Uh, unimaginable I, I mean I really genuinely can't imagine
1: uh, yes well I, uh, bitterness no fortunately not I suppose uh, bitterness might have come from other things but not from the prison experience um, and not from even from the solitary confinement um, I was considered a traitor of course it was apartheid South Africa to refuse to fight in the army was considered treasonous almost um I understood my persecutors. I had been one of them, so to speak. I'd been a patriotic South African full of, you know, tried to defend my country. But when I went into the military and those were the days where a huge amount of riots in South Africa and township riots, uh, oppression of the people, when I was on the front line of that, I could no longer really cope with that and and, um, I realized that this was a military state, almost a fascist state and that the suppression of our people, in this case our black people and our brown people and all the other people of South Africa was unacceptable to me. It was rather rapid conversion in that sense and it wasn't, I must stress this, not political. I wasn't a political animal. I knew very little about politics. It was more just an inner moral thing.
0: Well, good, good man. I could talk to you all day. Uh, well, Rod. <laughs> um, I really could. Uh, Night Journey by Rod Mackenzie, published by Karnak Books, as you say, K A R N A C, books. If people want to get hold of it, where can they go?
1: Carnac uh, Books. I think old. I think Rutledge Books actually has now bought all Carnac's. Inventory, so it would be through Rutledge books. Roger.
0: That's uh, R O U T, isn't That's it? L E D G E.
1: Well done, um, you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rutledge, uh, Rutledge books, I think. Well, well, good luck with the. So nice the book. to meet You're you, rich.
1: Lee, and thank you for allowing me to talk about my book.
0: No, thank you, Ron.
1: Live and local across the city and South Cambridge. This is Lee Chambers. Cambridge One Hundred and Five Radio.